0: I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me, and uh, we're going to start this morning a little differently than we normally do. We're going to pray, um, and, and the reason we're going to pray is we're going to pray that uh, uh, God uses what we bring before him. And let me just remind you before we as a band start playing um, that it's not a concert. We're not here to perform, but we're here to worship a God who's worthy of worship, right? Man. Um, and I was reminded this morning, I, I'll just let you know, Joey uh, texted us, I think, Christmas Day and said that he lost his voice. I mean, he overdid it. Um, our candlelight service and he sounded like this and uh so uh, I just kind of started scrambling and I said all right I'll do it but I don't like not having enough preparation time and then I'm fighting the allergy stuff too so I may not make it through a complete set so I need you as a part of the band today everybody's in the band all right all right so warm up your vocal cords and sing along with us let's begin with prayer father we thank you so much for this day God, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your house. You are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship, regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of whether our voices are strong or weak. Father, you're worthy. And so I pray, Lord, as we make a joyful noise to you this morning, that you would be honored and you would be glorified. We humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: so great your love so great jesus in all things i've seen a glimpse of your heart a billion years still out to sea
0: To us. Sing it
1: out. Not to us, but to your name, we lift up. around these walls I thought by now Praise Jesus, again. Jesus, you're still enough. Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed Your promise Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness my car. you never fail me yet. I never will forget. You've never
0: failed me yet. You know, as you consider the holiness of God, the greatness of God, the splendor of His glory, and you just contrast that for a second to us, we are so... Weak. we are so imperfect we are so broken and when we look at his holiness all I see is our brokenness and when we we see his, his splendor I just see our our mess ups and and the, I, I think I believe the only reasonable response coming before a God who is worthy of all praise and all honor and all worship is one of humility it's one of saying God here I am I admit I'm dirty I need you to give me clean hands. I need you to give me a pure heart. And so as we sing this last song this morning, let it be a personal prayer of dedication uh, from you to the Lord.
1: Spirit come make us humble we turn our eyes from evil things oh Lord we cast down our idols so give us clean hands give us pure hearts let us not lift our souls to another Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to
0: another Sing that again, we bow our hearts We bow our hearts,
1: we bend our knees Oh, Spirit, come make us home our from evil things, O oh Lord, we cast down our idols, so give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let us speak the generation that seeks, seek your Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to another Give us clean hands, oh God Give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to another Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to another Give us clean hands Give us pure hearts Let us not lift our souls to another
2: Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. Uh, Shane mentioned we had a little change-up this week. And uh, as we were discussing yesterday, uh, after we found out Joey wasn't going to be able to be here, we were talking about how things would play out. And I just got to tell you, I volunteered to lead worship this morning. I was a little offended. It went silent. He sat there and said, Well, I've heard you sing. And that, why are you clapping? That's my children clapping. They've heard me sing too, but. I, I am so grateful that uh, God has gifted Shane with the ability to sing and step in. And then I walked in this morning, and the first thing he said to me, his vo- voice was uh, cracking. And I thought, oh, Lord, I am going to have to sing. And uh, But fortunately, he made it through. But really be praying for him for the next service because uh, that is tough when your voice is uh, hurting and everything else. And you got to get up here. And do this, but let's turn this morning to the book of Philippians, if you would. The book of Philippians. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about a new perspective on joy, and we're also talking about finishing 2020 with joy. Now, with this year that's gone on, that may be a word that you're sitting there thinking, "How? How in the world can we do that?" Uh, As we come to the close of this year, I want us to consider that three little word, joy. Some people say that 2020 has managed to steal their joy. Some people uh, would say that 2020, with the pandemic and everything else that's gone on in the country, the uncertainty that's there, the fear that is going on around us, not knowing what tomorrow may bring that uh, that. Causes our joy not to be full and not to be complete. And if that's the case in your life, then I want to challenge you today to get a new perspective on joy and really understand what joy is. Because we need to know that joy is not affected by the circumstances around us that happen in our life or in our world. Would you agree with that today? What do I mean by that? Well, some people confuse happiness with joy. That's two different things. We don't have to be happy with the things that are going on around us. Matter of fact, there's things that happen that we are not happy with. But the circumstances should never affect the joy that we have inside of us. If the circumstances around us are affecting our joy, then our joy is in the wrong place. Our joy is in the, uh, looking at the wrong thing and we don't understand what real joy is. Truly is. Now, this morning, as we consider the word joy, I want us to think for a moment exactly where our joy comes from. And it does not come through our circumstances or the things that happen around us. So, some people believe that joy comes from what we do or maybe even what we accomplish. If I do good things, if I do good works, if I build a good resume for myself, then my joy will be full and be complete. The only problem with that is, is what happens when you try something good and it fails? Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? You've tried something good and it failed? Just me? Only me today? Okay. Uh, Well, it might happen to you someday, and if it does, and that's where you're joy is found in the things that you accomplish, then guess what happens? When you don't succeed the way that you think you are going to succeed, then your joy is going to be gone. Some people think that uh, joy is found in relationships that they have, but what happens when those relationships take a turn and go south? What happens to your joy? What happens to your joy When you place your joy in the things that you build up, the wealth that you build up, and all of a sudden that wealth is no longer there, then your joy can be gone. You know, those are some of the things that we have witnessed over 2020 that people have experienced in their life. And if their joy was focused on those things, you can understand why they feel like their joy has been stolen from them. I did a Google search yesterday to find out where we can truly find joy. I mean, if you want to know the answers to life, where do you turn? Google, right? If Google doesn't have the answer, then the answer's not there. That's what some people believe. So I thought, well, let's just see what Google says. And I found it very interesting. The first thing that I saw is if you want to find joy in your life, then pet a pet. You know, pet a pet. I thought, well, that's not bad. And then I started thinking, it's not bad and unless your pet's a rattlesnake, then that wouldn't be a good idea. That could steal your joy, but to pet a pet. The other thing is to dress up in a costume for no reason at all. I think that'd be cool if we all did that for next Sunday. Everybody just dress up in a costume for no reason at all and show up and that'll bring a joy to other people. I don't know about you, but I thought, what are they thinking? This one I love too. Sing out loud. I was singing all weekend and my daughter finally told me pick a new song. I like the song I was singing. It was a very interesting song. I won't sing it for you. It's not appropriate for you today. Uh, so this one's a good one. Dance. You want joy in your life? Dance. And if you can't dance, just skip around. Again, that might bring joy to other people, but I'm not sure how that brings joy to your life. Um, The next two, or actually the next three weren't too bad, a little confusing. You want joy in your life, write a Facebook post. I'm sure that works. But the next one I really love, and I can do this. You want to find joy in your life, take a nap. Yeah, that'll bring joy. And then it ties it up with this. After you take a nap, you want to find true joy, eat a cupcake. I I can do the last two. That might bring uh, some joy. When Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi, he was in a Roman prison where he was spending time for defending the gospel. Google says you want all these things to find joy. Is that going to be possible if you're in a prison? Is that going to be possible to do those things and truly find joy? like Google says and the answer to that is no. If you're looking for joy where Google said to find joy, let me tell you, those are temporary joys and they will be gone the first time something bad happens. Matter of fact, you write a Facebook post and you get that first negative comment back on your Facebook post that you were so proud of. What happens? Your joy has gone. And so here's Paul in this prison, and he's got joy in his life. Where did he find his joy? He didn't find his joy in those kind of things. He knew where his true joy came from. And that's what we're going to see this morning. He is writing to the church at Philippi, where Paul did not see a lot of success, as we like to define success. The gospel was first preached in Philippi in very interesting circumstances, by Paul and Silas. Paul had been called by a remarkable vision that we see in Acts 16.9 to go to Macedonia. And the first person to whom he preached was a lady by the name of Lydia. Now, Lydia was a, a seller of fine purple from Thyatira in Asia Minor. Now, Lydia was converted. That was Paul's Paul's first conversion in this area. A great way to start off a ministry. And she invites Paul and Silas into the house. Takes care of them as they begin their ministry there. And then they ran across a woman who had an evil spirit in her. And this evil spirit gave her the ability to tell the future. And Paul was able to cast this evil spirit out of her. Again, not a bad way to start a ministry. But there was a problem. The problem was that there were a lot of people that were making money off of this lady being able to tell the future because of this evil spirit that was in her. And so all these people that were getting rich and wealthy off her got upset with Paul and Silas and they had them thrown in prison. And after being severely beaten and their feet were bound by stocks along with their hands, as they were in this prison... An incredible thing happened. As Paul and Silas began to pray at midnight, the earth began to shake. Hopefully, you know this story. The earth began to shake, and the Bible says that everyone's chains came loose, and here's the amazing thing. It was such an incredible worship service that no one left the prison that night. The doors had slung open, the the chains had fallen off. And yet, God's presence was so much in that place that nobody wanted to leave the horrible conditions that they were in. Uh, You would think that the first thing that would have happened is they would have said, We're free, let's go. We're no longer in bondage, we're no longer bound. We can get out of here. And yet, they wanted to stay. And that night, because of that incredible service and the incredible power of God, the jailer that was watching them got saved. The jailer that was watching them gave his life to Christ and said, man, there's something that's going on here. I want to be a part of this. And not only that, but he went home and his whole family got saved. The officials then released Paul and Silas from prison. They went back to Lydia's house where they met with the church and encouraged them and they left. And when they left, this was not a large church, a large congregation. They, They were not Uh, overly successful as the world would say, the church would be successful as far as people coming in and the church growing to where the church had to build a new building. It wasn't anything like that at all. And you think sometimes that Paul might look at that and say, you know, I'm just not getting the successful results that we would like there. And he would get discouraged, but that's not the case. And as we read the book of Philippians, we see a great joy that comes from Paul. A great joy as he looks at this church and he looks at the fellow believers that are there. And this joy that he has is a joy that even if he's in prison, even if he's not seeing results, even if he doesn't see God's hand moving the way that You think God's hand would be moving in this situation? He still has joy. And as he writes this to the Philippians, he is once again in prison. And even through his writing, we see a great joy. But this is not an ordinary joy. This is a super ordinary joy. It is the joy of Jesus As you read through the book of Philippians, you will see joy all throughout this book, and it is the joy of Jesus. Why? Because the book of Philippians is all about Jesus. As a matter of fact, the entire Bible is all about Jesus. So anytime you read through the Bible, you ought to be able to find the joy of Jesus. And that's what we see in the writing of Paul joy in Jesus. There is joy in Jesus. Do you have joy in Jesus today? I mean, do you really have joy in Jesus today? Let me tell you what this joy in Jesus does. This joy in Jesus helps you make it through the difficult times in life. This joy in Jesus helps you make it through the times that you don't understand, the times that we can't explain, the times that we sit back and question, God, why is this happening in our lives? Why is this happening in our world today? And we don't get the answers to why. And we don't have to have the answers to the why. And there's still joy. Joy that comes through Jesus. Joy that comes through knowing him. It's a permanent joy. The joy that comes in Jesus is not a joy that comes and goes. It is a joy that remains no matter what we may be facing in life. It is a personal joy. It is a permanent joy. It is a powerful joy. Joy, and that's the joy that I want us to see today. You know, when you have this joy in your life, like Paul had this joy in his life, then you become like the man who got saved and he stood up in church and he said, man, my life is so different than it was before I knew Christ that now I am happier than when I wasn't happy before I was happy. (laughs) What? You understand what I'm talking about. It's a joy that comes about, and all of a sudden your life is totally different. And even when you weren't happy before, that joy is still there that brings a happiness that maybe you didn't understand before. You know, Visa says, if you want to have joy, spend more. The workplace says, if you want to have joy, you need to make more. Our neighbors, neighborhoods say, if you want to have joy, you must get more to have joy. And while all these things may be good for a season, they'll bring about temporary happiness, they do not bring about lasting joy in your life. Because everything that this world has to offer will someday fade away. But Jesus will last forever. And his joy will last for all of eternity. That's the joy that we're talking about. That's the joy that we see in Philippians as Paul writes to the church at Philippi. We're going to look at verses uh, 3 through 11 in chapter 1. So if you would look with me there. He says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And Dad, it is right, right for me to think this way about all of you. Because I have you in my heart. And you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus." And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, there are several things that I want you to see in this passage this morning, and we're going to see where Paul's joy comes from. First of all, Paul's joy... Came in the fellowship with other believers. There is joy in fellowship with other believers. Right? There's joy in fellowship with other believers, getting around other fellow Christians and followers of Christ. How many of you have ever been out, and you've been not in the church, out away from the church, out in the community somewhere, and you met somebody new for the first time. You don't know anything about them, but there's an instant bond and there's an instant joy that comes from meeting that person. There's joy that comes even from meeting other believers and you begin to, to talk to them and you realize that they are a fellow believer. There's joy and fellowship with other believers. We have witnessed that this year. You know, uh, back at the beginning of this pandemic, what was the first thing that happened? They shut everything down. Even churches, this church was shut down for a short period of time. There are still churches out there that they're saying, you cannot worship. You cannot go to a place of worship and be together. I'm glad we're not living in one of those places, aren't you? And what happens when we are not around each other, we begin to realize that we're missing the joy of fellowship. There's joy that comes around being around other believers. And listen, if you don't have a joy of being around other believers, you need to check your heart and where your joy comes from. There's joy in the fellowship. There's joy in coming together and singing together, whether you can sing or not sing. There's joy in that. There's joy in coming together and studying God's Word. Why? Because we have something in common. And that something that we have in common is the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And when we are in fellowship with Jesus Christ, we are now brothers and sisters in Christ. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should love the getting together and have joy in getting together and joy in seeing one another and being in fellowship with each other. Paul says, I give thanks for you. I remember you. I'm thinking of you. I want to be with you. I have that joy and that fellowship. He says in verses 7 and 8 that I have you in my heart. Now this moves a bit deeper in fellowship for it is possible to have others in our minds without really having them in our hearts. There are some people that I have in my mind that are far from being in my heart. And he's saying I have you not only in my mind but I have you in my heart because we have this common bond together. Now, someone said that fellowship is simply two fellows in the same ship. Now, that's not a bad definition, but the word fellowship does have a much deeper meaning than we give it today. New Testament fellowship is more than uh, Kool-Aid and cookies. It's more than coffee and donuts. It's more than all of the things that we come together and we just eat and fellowship together. This New Testament fellowship is what the church has in common. And we're going to look at this and see a little bit more what they had in common. But if you want to know, if you have this kind of fellowship, you can ask yourself the question of how much do you miss it when the church is not together? How much do you miss it when you cannot, for one reason or another, be around other believers? Or how much do you miss it when you just decide, you know, I'm good on my own. You know, we weren't designed to be alone. We were designed to be together. We were designed to invest in others and to build into others. And I want to tell you, every time that I see you, it is an encouragement to me. And I hope that it's an encouragement to you as you see other believers. And it doesn't just happen in this place. How many of you, when when you're out in the community and you see another church member that just by seeing them, even if you don't speak to them, you see them at a distance, it just does something inside of you. You know what I'm talking about? It's that joy of fellowship. The joy of fellowship because of that common bond that we have with one another. Not only is there joy in fellowship, but there's also joy in prayer. Look what he says in verse uh, 4. He says, always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer. Always praying with joy. Now, sometimes our prayer for other believers, we're praying for them because they have a need in their life. And sometimes we're not thinking about being able to pray with joy. But really, it is a joy to be able to pray for other believers when they are in need. But it is also a joy just to pray for other believers because they're coming to our mind. Because we're thinking of them and they're in our heart. Do you ever just sit down and pray and say, God, I thank you for this person that is in my life. God, I thank you that you have placed them in my life and the joy that I have of knowing them and being in fellowship with them. I tell you what, that'll lift up your prayer time. You begin to pray for people that are in the church with you, people that you know, other believers in Christ, some that aren't in this church, but are in the the body of Christ together. Maybe they're serving in other parts of the world and maybe they're just living down the street from us. And we just begin to lift them up in prayer and there is joy in praying for others in the body of Christ. Joy in just lifting them up. I want to challenge you this week. Just let God place people's names on your mind. Just lift them up in prayer and look at the joy that it brings. And how many of you have had somebody say, you know, I've been praying for you. Nothing's going on in your life, but they just say, man, I've been praying for you. And the encouragement that that brings It brings encouragement when we are struggling, but when we don't have things that we're struggling with, it really brings encouragement to know that others love us and are thinking of us and are lifting us up in prayer and the joy that that brings. Paul's prayer for them was filled with thanksgiving and joy. And this isn't the only time that Paul speaks of this. He tells the church at Colossians, we always thank God when we pray for you. Colossians 1.3, and he tells the Ephesians church, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my, re- my prayers, Ephesians 1.16. And it's not only just churches Paul prays this way for. When he writes to Timothy, he says, I thank God as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. And he informs a friend named Philemon, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. There was joy in his prayers. Sometimes we look at prayers as, "Man, that's something I got to do today. If I, you know, if I'm going to be right with God, I got to spend time praying, right? I mean, but, and so we do a quick prayer. You know, let's go ahead and get that prayer over with. Some of us do it in the morning, just get it over with, get it behind us. Some people do it at night, just because now it's coming to mind, and I better do that before I go to bed, make sure I said my prayers today. That's not joy in prayer." That's duty in prayer. And that kind of takes the joy out of praying. But it's when we sit down and we say, God, I just want to spend time with you. And and God, today as I'm spending time with you, would you bring names to my mind, people that I can pray with joy for in their life. Then notice that there's also joy in discipleship. Joy in discipleship. They had a common goal when they came together. They had a common goal, and that goal was Jesus Christ. But in verse 5, he says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What was the common goal besides Jesus? The common goal was spreading the gospel. Sharing the gospel of Christ with other people. Taking the command that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples in all of the world seriously. They enjoyed sharing with other people how they too can come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior and how they can grow in that relationship with one another. Do you want to know how to really get excited about ministry? Really get excited about what God is doing? Begin to invest your life in other believers to train them how they can be followers of Christ, to show them how they can live the, this life that God has called us to live and how they can have this same kind of joy in their life. Begin to teach someone else. You say, well, I I don't know how to disciple someone else. Then find somebody that will disciple you, that will show you how to disciple other people. I promise you there is joy in discipleship. When you begin to walk through life together, when you begin to to walk in this faith together, and you begin to grow together, and you're investing in each other's life, it'll bring a joy like you have never seen. Uh, If you have kids, you'll understand this. You know, this week at Christmas time, we got to have our first Christmas with our new grandbaby. That was exciting. And we were taking the family pictures, which was not so exciting, but we did it. No, it was good, actually. We're kind of having fun. But I remember in one of the, the photos, I was trying to get Kaylee Joe to smile. And I'm standing back there waving, and she waved. And her mother got so excited, she's like, she waved. She hasn't done that before. It's exciting when we watch someone who hasn't done something before as they grow and they begin to do things. Or if you have a kid and a child and they start walking, they start talking. Well, maybe not so much the talking, but the rest of it, we watch them as they grow and we get so excited and that's the way it is in the body of Christ as we walk along beside one another and we see a, a new Christian as they begin to grow in their walk and their faith. I tell you, that'll bring a joy that, that you cannot put out with any circumstance. The joy in discipleship and, and Paul watched these believers and he was like, I'm so thankful for you and, and we share together in the gospel of Christ and we have the same passion. We want to see others come to know Christ and we want to see them grow in their life. Jesus said, "Follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men." There's joy in making fishers of men. And as you begin to make fishers of men and you watch them grow, It'll bring a joy in your heart. Luke 15, 7 states that there is great joy in heaven over one person that what? Gets saved. There's joy in heaven and watching people come to know Christ. And that joy begins to build inside of you when you are a part of that. And the joy begins to flow. Reaching the lost brings a far reaching effect and training others how to grow up in their faith. And then there is also joy. And confidence. Paul is very confident in this writing. And notice what he says in verse 6. He says, I am sure of this. That means that I am confident of this. I am certain of this. I am so certain that he who started a good work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I am certain We consider the confidence that Paul had and how this confidence brought about joy. We see all the time people putting too much confidence in an individual. Or they put too much confidence in a program. And I want to tell you today, if you're putting your confidence in any individual other than Jesus Christ, eventually you will be disappointed. No matter how much you think of that person, no matter how highly you think uh, that person should be placed on a pedestal, I promise you that pedestal eventually will come out from underneath them. They will fall and you will be disappointed. And if you put your uh, confidence into any kind of program in a church or anything else, eventually that program is going to let you down. It is our confidence in Jesus Christ that matters. Because guess what? Jesus Christ will never let you down. You place your eyes on me, you will be disappointed. You place your eyes on Christ, you will never, ever be disappointed. And that's exactly where Paul's confidence was. His confidence was in Jesus and the works of Jesus Christ. His confidence was in that which Christ started, which is that salvation that's at work in us. And that salvation is going to be carried through, and Christ will see it through until the end. Paul was, in effect, saying, uh, don't worry, you can't fail in Jesus. That's some good news, isn't it? I think that's a great way to end 2020. You cannot fail in Jesus. I think it's a great way to start 2021. You cannot fail in Jesus. No matter what happens in the world around us, you can't fail in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is going to begin or finish the work that he began in you. And we're going to see it through till completion until the day that Jesus comes. That's why I pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. I'm ready for that day ready for that day when it comes to completion. But until then, we continue on with joy in our heart, knowing that God is going to see it through. He had joy in the confidence of God's work. And we notice that God's work is a good work. The best thing that can happen to a person is to come to know Christ as their Savior. The best thing that can happen to a home is for that home to follow Christ in their life. The best thing that can happen to a nation is for a nation to be saved and to follow Jesus Christ. The best thing that can happen in this world is for the entire world to follow Christ. Now we know that that's not going to happen, but it is a joy to see the work that God begins in some and knowing that he's going to see it through completion it is a good work and it is God's work it is God's work that brings us to the point of salvation because we didn't choose him but he what chose us that's why we celebrated Christmas God choosing us and sending his one and only son into that manger to live and to die for us to be our sacrifice it is God's work and it is a guaranteed work the guarantee that it will be completed and then notice finally that this joy is in christ i can't say it enough the joy is in christ look at verse 11 with me one more time he said filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god paul says in verse 11 that i pray that you will be filled with fruits of righteousness which are from jesus christ What are the fruits of righteousness? Well, if you go to Galatians 5.22, you'll begin to see the fruits of righteousness and what is called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Notice that the fruit of the Spirit is love first. Second is joy. Joy comes right after love. I don't think that's by accident that it's the second fruit that we see in the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of joy comes through knowing and loving Jesus Christ. And that brings about joy in our life. All through Jesus. If your joy is anywhere else, you will eventually be disappointed. If your joy is in Christ, then that joy will last. That joy will be there no matter what the circumstances, no matter what's going on. So I ask you today, do you have that joy, same kind of joy that Paul had? Do you have that joy in your life that comes through that personal relationship with Jesus Christ? If you don't have that joy today, then then today, the last Sunday of this year, I think it's a great day to begin to examine your heart and say, God, I, I don't have that joy, but today I want that joy. Today I want that joy. I want to end this year with that joy, and I certainly want to begin next year with that joy. Let's pray together. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you just to take a moment and spend this time with God. And I want you to examine your life today. Examine your heart. Do you have the joy of Jesus Christ inside of you? Today, you may be saying, I don't have that joy. But today, I want that joy. How do I get it? It's very simple. Today, just open your life to him. And step out in faith and say, God, today, I give my life to you. I don't want to be in control. I don't want anything around me to be in control. But I want you to be in control of my life from this point on I surrender my life to you Father I thank you today for the joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior I thank you for the joy that comes in being in fellowship with other believers God I thank you for the joy that comes through discipleship and and watching others come to know you and grow in their life in faith with you. God, I thank you that there is joy in Christ. And I thank you today that no matter what goes on in our world around us, that with that joy, we know that it will last. And that the circumstances around us we may not like, we may not be happy about, but those circumstances cannot touch the joy that we have through you. So God, I pray right now that your spirit would just be free to to speak to our hearts. That God, we would hold nothing back from you. God, if that joy is not in our lives, God, today we would find that joy in you. God, we thank you for loving us. Even when we did not deserve to be loved, but you yet chose to love us. We are so grateful for who you are and all that you've done. Thank you, God. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.